Hey everyone, hope that you are doing well. Welcome back into the College Age Movement podcast. We are in part four of a series entitled Follow. This is the last part of this series, and we've been having conversations through the invitations of Jesus. Last week, we talked about whether or not we recognize the voice of God, and we talked about are we willing to respond to it when we do recognize the voice of God. We all understand that we understand or recognize the voice of the people who are the closest to us. And so as we are in pursuit of who Jesus is and what he has to say in our lives, when we recognize the voice of God, are we willing to be people who actually take action when he asks something from us? This week, we're going to be back in the Gospel of John, the first chapter. Uh, There's a simple interaction that actually leads to some really big challenges. So we're going to start John chapter 1 verse 43, and it says this, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So the first point this week is Jesus found Philip. This is in and of itself probably the most important thing for us to understand in our relationship with Jesus, and that is that Jesus pursues the hearts of his people. Jesus pursues the hearts of of his people. We too often think of God as sitting back and waiting for us to approach him. From the beginning of the gospels, we see that he is actively pursuing us, that he is finding people to disciple. I think for many of us, Jesus might seem like he is a hundred miles away, but he gladly covers the distance if we would only be willing to take a few steps towards him. It doesn't matter how far gone you are. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you're currently involved in. It doesn't matter. Jesus is actively pursuing your heart, and all he is asking you to do is take a step towards him. So he finds Philip, and and what is Jesus' simple command? Follow me. Follow me. Do what I do. See, this this is kind of the antithesis of the entire series, is that Jesus is simply asking us to follow him. He is confident of the fact that if we follow him and we follow his example, we will become people that we are proud to be. We will become people that he is proud of, that he is has so much joy over, that if we would just be willing people who follow him. It's not a huge checklist of things to accomplish. It's simple. But so often our humanity creates these, these religious checklists for us to, to, to fill out and we get so stressed out and we, we fall short and we recognize how we fall short and there's just all these different things that are wrapped up in that. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, Philip, Phil, follow me. Just follow me. And in the process of following me, in the process of doing what I do and listening to what I say, all those boxes that you're worried about checking, they'll be checked. Like, don't even worry about that. That's like on the back burner. Just be who I've called you to be and follow me. And Philip's response is absolutely fantastic. In verses 44 through 45, this is what it says. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Jesus found Philip. And the next point is this, is that Philip found Nathanael. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathanael. Found people, find people. It's one of our core values here at Faith Chapel. We aren't called to be content with being found. I don't know how many times in my life I have sat on my hands because I was happy with my situation. But you see, the problem with that is that my focus was internal, not 
eternal. My focus was internal, not eternal. We need to be people who are worried about eternity, not people who are just worried about how our lives are going or how our situations are, how our relationships are going. Like, yes, there's there's a ton of importance in self-care and, and understanding where we're at and all those different things, but we also need to have an eternal confidence and an eternal perspective. That as we look at our relationships, as we look at our jobs, as we look at all situations, we'd have an eternal perspective that we would say, oh, man, I'm so thankful that Jesus found me. Now I need to go find some other people. We have to realize that our lives are not meant to be just for ourselves. You've probably experienced this. Uh, It's something that many of us have experienced. You've been in a line at, at Starbucks or a coffee shop or whatever, and you get to the window and you go to pay for your coffee and they say, oh, hey, don't worry about it. The car in front of you covered your cost and like that feeling like oh wow that's amazing and then the barista like stares at you like are you gonna like are you gonna pay for the person behind you there's an expectation that you would pay it forward and there's always like this this part of us where we're like oh what i only had one coffee like what if the car behind me has like six coffees like i i plan on spending five bucks not like 30 and so we like hesitate to do that or i had this experience a couple weeks ago where somebody paid for my coffee and then there was nobody behind me And I'm sure I could have said, well, hey, like the next person who comes through, but there's nobody in line behind me. And I was like, oh, no, what do I do? And so I just drove through the rest of my day just feeling incredible guilt for not paying it forward. We see that that's what we're talking about is that when we receive something, especially when it's eternal life, that we'd be people like, man, I can't just keep this. I can't let this just be something that blesses me. I, I need to bless somebody else. I need to introduce somebody else to Jesus. From the very first chapter of John's gospel, he makes it so incredibly clear that we cannot find eternity and not be people who run to share it with those around us. It has to be a part of our life. We have to be overjoyed as found people to find other people and introduce them to Jesus. So John talks about Jesus finding Philip, Philip finding Nathaniel, Philip having this incredible response, and then Nathaniel's response is less than enthusiastic. John chapter 1, verse 46, this is Nathaniel's response. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, is, is how Philip introduces Jesus. And Nathaniel's response is, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? I want to set the scene just a little bit. We talked about John the Baptist last week and where we find ourselves is right after John the Baptist actually tells his own disciples to stop following him and start following Jesus because John the Baptist understood that there was no leader worth following more than Jesus. That word leader, it stirs different thoughts in all of us. Different things come to our minds. Maybe you think of your boss at work. Maybe you think of your lead pastor. Maybe you think of somebody who gives TED Talks. Maybe you think of Elon Musk or Tim Cook or some other incredible CEO, whoever it may be. That's what we think of as leaders. But it's very important that we understand this point, that leadership can come from unexpected places. Leadership can come from unexpected places. You see, we get the benefit of reading the story on this side of the resurrection. So we know what Jesus was and did and all of those things. But Nathaniel was shocked to hear that anything good could come from Jesus' hometown. It'd be kind of like me saying, like, Laurel, like, which is a city right next to Billings, like, could anything good come from there? It says that, that Nathaniel and Philip are from Bethsaida, which is a town that is right near Nazareth. And so there's this this human perception that Nathaniel has of Nazareth. 
Here's what's really interesting, though. If you walk through the Old Testament and you really do some research, and, and a Jewish man who had known the scriptures well should know that the Messiah was prophesied to come from Nazareth. But here's what happened. That, that human perception that Nathan had, it got in the way. It got in the way. It's happened to us, right? I know that it's happened to me a thousand times. I haven't taken the time to actually try and see people or try and see situations through the lens of my creator. I see it through my own lens. Many of us, myself included, have this idea of what a leader looks like. And oftentimes our opinion or our perception hinders the advancement of the gospel because we have all these boxes that need to be checked for somebody to be a leader. They need to be you know, in good physical shape, in good mental shape. They need to be put together. They need to be well-respected. The, the culture needs to accept them. The church needs to accept like All of these different things. that We just like create what a good leader is, and it's usually just somebody that already is a leader. And we just say, well, let's just copy and paste that person, and we'll call them a leader. But that's not how this works. Leadership can absolutely come from unexpected places. I have a friend. His name is Jeremiah. He's a high school student. He's uh, a freshman this year, I believe. Um, he's handicapped both mentally and physically, and he is one of my favorite people in the world. Um, he wants to pray all the time. He he wants to lead worship. He wants to be involved. He like walks into a room, and, and he yells your name. And you can't help but yell his name back because that's the only appropriate response is to yell his name as loud as you can back. And then he gets way too close to your face, which is really fun in COVID. But you don't care because it's Jeremiah. And he tells you a story, and he's so much fun. And Jeremiah loves Jesus. Jeremiah loves Jesus so much, and watching him worship is a holy experience. Because it doesn't matter how fast or how slow the song is. He's pumping his fists. He's got his hands in the air. He's so excited to be in worship. He loves camp. He loves camp so much. The day that camp was over this year, he's like, we'll see you guys in 2021. I can't wait for high school camp 2021. I love Jeremiah, and I love the way that he loves. And last year at camp, I was talking to our junior high pastor, Mikey, and uh we just having this conversation, and I couldn't help but get this image out of my head of Jesus physically walking in to the tabernacle where we do worship up at our, our camp. And if Jesus walked in, I think I would be nervous. I think I would treat Jesus like a celebrity. I think I'd try to work up the courage to say something to him, or maybe I'd just fall on my face. But Jeremiah would run to Jesus. He'd probably give him a big hug. He'd get too close to him. He'd ask him if he could pray for him. He'd just be like, Jesus! And that's the type of person that I want to be. Jeremiah is the type of leader that I want to be, and he leads me closer to Jesus every time that I get to interact with him. Now, if I left it to my own human perception, Jeremiah is not a leader. He's disabled. He's socially awkward. He doesn't get verbal or nonverbal cues. He's not somebody that, that I would pin as a leader. But Jesus does. Jesus looks at Jeremiah and goes, oh, my boy, you are leading people towards me. And my prayer is that we would be people who actually seek leadership with intentionality in unexpected places and in unexpected people. I think that the love of Christ would be experienced in more places and in more ways if we made that commitment. 
I don't think Jesus was really concerned with whether or not Nathaniel thought he was worthy. He knew who he was, and his disciples knew who he was, and I think Philip's response is beautifully evangelistic. Come and see. What good could come from Nazareth? Come and see. It could have been really easy for Philip to hear Nathaniel's response and enter into a debate with him. No, you don't understand. Here are the ten reasons why Jesus really is the Messiah. Now, of course, there's an element to our faith where we need to be able to defend the gospel, but the most important thing, the most powerful thing that we can do is invite people to see for themselves. There's a principle that I think that we need to live by every single day, and it is this, invitation over conviction. Invitation over conviction. Our job is not to convict people of how much depravity is ingrained in their lives. Our job is to invite people into meeting their creator and seeing how desperately he loves them. Here are two ways that we can invite people to move towards Jesus. Number one, we invite them into the story of Jesus. We show them the gospel. We let them read the gospel. We put a Bible in their hands and actually read the words of Jesus himself. I was listening to a podcast recently. It was talking about the LGBTQ plus community and how the only time they had ever heard scripture is when people were quoting it at them and telling them how they were going to hell. Why would they want to meet Jesus? If they've never had a Bible placed in their hand, if they've never actually got to read the words of Jesus for themselves and get to wrestle with it and ask questions and be challenged by it like you and I do. That's what we do. If we want to invite people instead of convict people, we invite them into the story of Jesus himself and let his words resonate in their souls. We sit down and we dialogue and we answer questions and we ask questions and we let Jesus be Jesus. I think a second way that we can invite people in is that we invite them into our story. We invite them into Jesus' story, and then we invite them into our story. Our greatest tool in telling people how much Jesus loves them is to show them how much Jesus has already loved us. The life we have lived in all of its messiness, the life that, that we are currently living, the life that we will go on to live are testaments to the grace and the mercy and the love of Christ. We grow better together. It is a core value here as well because it is simply truth. We are called to be a part of each other's story. We are called to be a part of Jesus's narrative as well. It's not just about our narrative. It's about the narrative. And Jesus invites us into it. He invites all people into it. In this moment, Philip is leading. When he says, come and see, He's doing just what John the Baptist did. He's saying, come follow me as I follow Jesus. You see, when he says come and see, it is with confidence that Jesus will show Nathanael something significant. And here's what the rest of the chapter actually says, John chapter 1, verses 47 through 51. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus replied, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, but you're going to see things greater than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. See, Nathanael has an aha moment when he interacts with Jesus. But Jesus wants to make something really clear. 
It's not just because I saw you before you were here. It's not just because I saw you under the fig tree. It's because you are going to see heaven open, and that's why this aha moment is happening is because you know that I am the Savior of the world. You know that I am the Messiah. And it can be a little bit confusing for us. We're like, okay, wait. Angels of God are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Like, what, what does that mean? But when we look at what Jesus is trying to communicate, we have to go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, chapter 28, verses 10 through 27. And it talks about Jacob. And it says this, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you you and your descendants the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You see, Jesus is referring back to this passage and is poignantly communicating before his ministry even begins that you thought that a place was the gate to heaven, but I am telling you that I am the gate to heaven. Jesus wants us all to know that he is our constant connection to heaven. For thousands of years, the people of earth would build temples and shrines, and they would create places where you could communicate with God, and Jesus changed everything by being a Savior who made communicating with God possible no matter where we are at. So what we get to do is we get to be found by Jesus. He is actively pursuing us. Then we find other people, and then we introduce them to a Savior who is the gate to heaven itself that our constant connection to, to God is through him. I want to end with a couple statements and a couple questions. First of all, we are called to be leaders. Are we willing to step into that? It can be so easy for us to say, well, I'm not a leader. Nobody would qualify me as a leader. Nobody would define me as a leader. You are a leader in your venue, period. If you follow Jesus, you are a leader. Even if you don't follow Jesus, even if you're like on the fence with this whole Jesus thing, you get the opportunity to lead the people around you. Don't put it in a box and understand that you have influence. Are you willing to step into your influence? Secondly, do we understand that Jesus is actively pursuing us, that he is looking for us? And in response to that, are we actually willing to be found? Are we hiding from Jesus? Are we running from Jesus? Or are we waiting to walk towards Jesus and say, you know what, Lord, I need to be found. I need you in every aspect of my life. And lastly, if we would say that Jesus has found us, And if we would say that we have found him in return, are we willing to go find others? This thing, this faith, following Jesus is not exclusive. It is inclusive. Not a single one of us deserves to be a part of God's family, and yet every one of us gets the opportunity to be called son and daughter of the Most High God. It is not exclusive. It is inclusive. So if we are found, if we've experienced the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, what are are we willing to do to go find other people? Hey, 
Thanks for listening into the College Age Movement podcast. Next week, we have College Age Thanksgiving here at Faith Chapel. We're going to do a full Thanksgiving meal. So if you are in Billings, we would love to have you come and be here. It'll be 7 o'clock here in 512 at Faith Chapel. So there won't be a podcast next week, but we'll be back the week after with a short Christmas series called Manger to Majesty. We love you guys, and we hope to talk to you very soon.